Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents from around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has taken his campaign for support against Russia to Washington after addressing world leaders at the UN. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is appealing to India for help in the investigation into the murder of a Sikh activist as a diplomatic fallout between the two countries continues. And the Israeli Foreign Minister has expressed optimism about the prospects for the normalization of ties with Saudi Arabia early next year. We begin in North America. After pressing world leaders at the UN in New York, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky traveled to Washington to meet President Joe Biden. Following their meeting at the White House, Biden announced a new military aid package worth $325 million for Ukraine. Jim Spellman has more of Zelensky's trip to the U.S. First stop for President Zelensky, Capitol Hill, as President Joe Biden seeks another $24 billion in aid to Kyiv, on top of the more than $60 billion already committed. There's still broad support for Ukraine in both parties. But support for Ukraine has been wavering among some conservative Republicans. Zelensky then traveled to the Pentagon to meet with military leaders, as Ukraine has pressured the U.S. for more advanced weaponry to fight Russia. Meantime, Poland says it will no longer send arms to Ukraine. The conflict with Russia has blocked grain export routes from Ukraine, resulting in low-cost Ukrainian crops flooding Polish markets, harming Polish farmers. Polish elections next month have ramped up anti-Ukraine sentiment. As the political drama played out on the international stage, Ukraine targeted a Russian airbase in Crimea, and Russian missiles fell across Ukraine, including strikes aimed at the capital, Kyiv. No peace talks are scheduled between Russia and Ukraine, and there's no end in sight to the death and destruction. That was James Bellman on Zelensky's tour in Washington. After Washington, Zelensky traveled north to Canada in an unannounced visit, his first since the conflict with Russia broke out last year. China has called on UN member states to uphold multilateralism and improve global governance as part of its four-point proposal for tackling world affairs. Addressing the UN General Assembly in New York, Chinese Vice President Han Zhen also reaffirmed China's commitment to opening up and safeguarding its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Nathan King reports. Well, first of all, uh, some of the highlights very much fit around the social development goals agenda uh, that the UN has been emphasizing here. You know, there's uh, 17 uh, points that the world is meant to hit uh, by 2030. They're lagging behind. You know, they're everything from the ending of poverty, better working conditions, uh, better education, gender equality. Uh, There's things that make societies uh, uh, more developed. Uh, And China, of course, after launching the Global Development Initiative under Xi Jinping uh, to years ago in his address uh, here to this body, um, essentially uh, Han said that he uh, believes this is helping deliver uh, real help for countries, learning from some of China's examples when it comes to uh, 50 years of development as well. Uh, Of course, there's the Global Strategic Initiative and the Civilization Initiative that he touted as well. And I think there was a a point where he really stressed about the war in Ukraine, not overshadowing the work of the United Nations, but also offering China's good offices for any cessation of hostilities or uh, some sort of uh, peace process, saying that China will play a constructive role 
uh, role in that because we've seen a lot of back and forth uh, this week over the conflict. But as the conflict doesn't move, uh, essentially, the more and more cries for peace are going up, the more they're actually being listened to by the international community. We'll wait and see. Uh, Also over Taiwan, he was very, very strong. Uh, saying that uh, uh, China, uh, Taiwan had been an inalienable part of Chinese territory since ancient times. That's a phrase I haven't heard used here at the United Nations and essentially drawing a red line under that. And also, you know, um, he encouraged countries not to weaponize human rights without naming the United States, but we knew that, saying essentially China and other countries can choose their own path. Let's take a listen. Ensuring a good life for people is the biggest human right. As countries have different histories, traditions and conditions, we must and can only explore a path of human rights development suited to our national conditions in response to the needs of our people. We should advance the international human rights cause through dialogue and cooperation and oppose politicizing and double standards. In particular, the use of human rights and democracy as a political tool to interfere in the affairs of other countries. He also uh, touted uh, China's economic model at the moment, saying even though the global economy had been struggling to emerge from COVID, China remained on the path of modernization and opening up to other countries, encouraging foreign investment and will protect foreign uh, companies that operate uh, in China as well. And also it was a celebration line or two about the Belt and Road Initiative, which, as we all know, turns 10 years old this year with uh, uh, the third uh, global summit on uh, the BRI coming up uh, in China. He said there's over 3,000 projects that have helped deliver development across uh, the Belt and Road countries, which, of course, fits in with the United Nations agenda. And lastly, I can't go without mentioning climate change. He said uh, uh, the, pa- the signatures of the Paris Peace Accord, back, uh, uh, climate accord back in uh, 2015 need to double down and deliver on their targets. Of course, we have COP28 coming up in just about six weeks' time. That was Nathan King at the UN headquarters. Now on the Canada-India row. After tit-for-tat expulsions of two diplomats, India has suspended all categories of visa services for Canadian citizens, citing security reasons. It has also asked Ottawa to reduce its diplomatic presence in the country. Ravinder Bawa has more. The High Commission of Canada in India announced on Thursday that it has decided to temporarily adjust staff presence in the country after some diplomats received threats on social media. This move was followed after India's demand for parity in the strength and rank of diplomatic personnel. India has also suspended all categories of visa services at its high commission and consulates in Canada. These actions have intensified the already spiraling tensions between the two nations, coming just a day after India issued a cautionary advisory to its citizens, leaving many anxious about the uncertainty. Tensions have been escalating since the beginning of the week when both sides expelled diplomats following the Canadian Prime Minister's accusations of Indian government agents being involved in the killing of a Sikh separatist leader in June this year. India has vehemently denied these claims and has requested evidence. New Delhi has long urged Canada to take action against anti-India elements on its soil. The short-term impact of the fallout is already visible on the ground. The India tour of a Canadian rapper has been called off. 
trade talks are on hold. Experts say that in the long run, if the tussle continues and Canada maintains the same stance taking certain steps, India will follow a tit-for-tat policy. That was Ravinda Bawa on the ongoing tensions between Canada and India. In Asia, the Israeli foreign minister has said a deal to normalize ties with Saudi Arabia could be completed by early next year. Alan Cohen noted that he believes the gaps between the two nations can be bridged through negotiations. The diplomat also acknowledged that the main obstacles lie in Saudi Arabia's desire to have a civilian nuclear program and the need for progress in resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Israel has official ties with only a handful of Arab countries, among them Egypt and Jordan. In 2020, nations including the UAE, Bahrain and Morocco agreed to normalize relations with Israel. Research fellow Wang Jing at the Syria Research Center of Northwest University says the move could help bolster Washington's position in the region. I think the Washington agenda is simple. That is to uh, regain the, its uh, political dominance over the Middle East region through this kind of the new uh, rapprochement. Uh, because from the perspective of the United States, that the, this, this, this region is undergoing a very, very significant transformation. So if the United States hopes to regain the dominance on the hope to, to get, re-get uh, the very direct role, directive role in this region, it has to arrange the relations for its allies and other Middle Eastern countries. So among these Middle Eastern countries, especially its allies, the very most important relations is the relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, because these two countries, uh, they, they are, their diplomatic relations has already not, has not, uh, has not been established, and also the connections between the two countries become more and more frequent. So that is why against this backdrop, the United States hope to bring Bring them together to bridge the gap between the two two states and to hope to help normalize ties for the two sides. I think it is a very very major concern for the United States Middle Eastern policy. That was research fellow Wang Jing at the Syria Research Center of Northwest University sharing insights on Israeli-Saudi Arabian relations. Now to the 19th Asian Games. Hangzhou Xiaoshan International Airport saw a record-breaking influx of arrivals for the Asian Games on Thursday, with over 3,200 delegates from various countries. The airport opened 15 express channels, including special lanes for people with disabilities and Asian Games participants. Over 120 volunteers were on duty. More than 10,000 athletes, coaches, officials and media personnel have arrived over the past two weeks. Up to 30,000 participants are expected throughout the Games. Leaders from countries including Cambodia, Kuwait, Syria, South Korea, Nepal and Timor-Leste will also attend the opening ceremony on Saturday night. Zhang Siran has more. We're counting down to the opening ceremony and the spectacular shows on Saturday. It's been confirmed that Chinese President Xi Jinping would attend the ceremony. Yesterday, the Kuwaiti Crown Prince and Syrian President have already arrived in Hangzhou for the event. And um, now all the competing athletes are also checking in at the Asian Games villages. And actually, many group matches have already started on September the 19th, including football, beach volleyball, volleyball and cricket. Earlier 
this week, I've also got the chance to exclusively speak with DPRK men's football team as they have secured a two-goal victory against Team Chinese Taipei in their first group match. And this match also marks DPRK's return to international competitions after four years. And together, we would like to extend um, our warm welcome from Hangzhou and also our best wishes to the 19th Asian Games. That was Zhang Siran on the opening ceremony of the Asian Games. Before we go, the headlines again. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has taken his campaign for support against Russia to Washington after addressing world leaders at the UN. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is appealing to India for help in the investigation into the murder of a Sikh activist as the diplomatic fallout between the two countries continues. And the Israeli foreign minister has expressed optimism about the prospects for the normalization of ties with Saudi Arabia early next year. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.